As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everyone, Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. We're about midway through first week of training camp. Exhibition games have started, the regular season's a couple weeks away, so it's a good time to talk about what our next guest is an expert in, and that is gambling, because that's a big part of the NHL these days, and we're interested to hear what some of the Islanders' bets are going to be, what some of his uh, preferred picks are, and let's just bring him on. It's Michael Leboff, the NHL editor of the Action Network, uh, insane Islander fan, fellow former Stan Fischler intern, uh, all-around kind of raconteur when it comes to the Islanders. Welcome aboard, Mike. How you doing, man? I'm very excited to be here. Very excited. <laughs> I have had the pleasure of being on Mike's podcast with him and Dan Saracini over at Lighthouse Hockey many times. So now we're glad we're able to reciprocate here. Um, first off, I kind of want to ask you, as someone who has followed the Islanders and the the hockey betting world, uh, even before it was more legitimate than it is today, or less legitimate than it is today, how does the betting world now view the Islanders? Are they are they a contender based on the based on the future bets for this season? Have they become more of one because when they, since they've become a real team in the last couple of years? Yeah, I think this is probably the first year where they're getting uh, the type of respect that their previous season kind of warranted. Right, right. You make the conference finals, uh, you're usually going to be near the top of the board no matter what. Um, the after the bubble, that wasn't the case. The Islanders were still kind of in that mid tier. They weren't even like priced as a contender in a very thick East division. Uh, but this year, some books have them uh, as a favorite to win the division. Uh, you know, they're not odds on. They're not, you know, an overwhelming favorite, but they are the favorite at some sports books uh, at like plus 285. Some have them at like four to one along with the, the other heavyweights in the division. But this this year seems there seems to be kind of a consensus that like fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Shame on me again, but they're not going to let the <laughs> Islanders fool them three times. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with what we saw in the playoffs last year, which was crazy because the Islanders were underdogs. I think what they played tw- nearly 20 games, maybe 19 just over 20, games. 19 yeah. games in the playoffs last year. And they were underdogs in every single one. There's uh, you can say maybe except for one, I think it was game four against the Penguins. It was like a pick them, but outside of that game, every other, every other time the Islanders stepped foot on the ice in the playoffs last year. They were an underdog. Um, and I think that a lot of people cleaned up because that's a team that 
what the Islanders excel at is turning games against better teams or more talented teams into 50, 50 battles. And so you're always going to take a a good number on a team like that. And I think this year you're going to see them priced uh, more towards like what we saw the Bruins kind of get the same kind of respect the Bruins got maybe last year, the year before where they will be against a good team like the Bruins or the Penguins or the Capitals at home. Don't be surprised to see the Islanders at like minus 140 or something. Uh, they definitely have a lot more respect from bookmakers and modelers, uh, I think, at this point. Yeah. How quickly does that start to turn? I mean, you know, I'm looking at some of the, you know, the the cup odds right now, and I see the Bruins are like fourth favorite right now, plus 1,200. And really, you know, the Bruins, their goaltending situation's in flux. They they didn't look particularly good against the Islanders in a lot of that series. They were like, they were pretty reliant on one line. But yet they're still the Bruins, and they've been in the mix for a long time. How how long does the does the ship turn? I guess uh, in the book world, yeah, it takes a while, <laughs> especially in NHL where bookmakers don't aren't you know if, if this was the NFL, uh, the you'd see the Islanders probably towards the top of the board after perhaps the bubble or something because they can't get beat in the NFL. It, it, more so many more people bet it that if there's a soft line or something, the bookmakers are going to take a bath. If, if they make a mistake, whereas in the NHL, like, you know, who, who in Iowa or Michigan or whatever, <laughs> seeing the Islanders at 20 to one and thinking, oh, that's a great price on a team that just went to uh, two straight conference finals. Whereas like the Bruins, they have that, you know, the name brand or whatever. So it, it depends on it's kind of like a case by case basis, right? Like the Penguins aren't I don't think the I think the Penguins might be the most overrated team in the betting market right now. And uh, to see them in kind of the same range as the Islanders at some books is a little bit of a head scratcher, but they're the Penguins. So if, if, you know, casual sports better out there in Colorado sees Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, 30 to one, they're going to get down on that. Whereas like they see Islanders here hanging out at 20 to one, it doesn't really uh, jolt them uh, because the Islanders still uh, don't really have that big ticket uh, re- like name brand right now. But I think it is like, like we've said, it is slowly starting to turn. I think that this season, if the Islanders get off to a hot start, uh, especially, you're going to see this this number shorten pretty quickly because I think you're, I I think the media as well like uh, I think we're going to read a lot of season previews in the next week or so where a lot of people in the media are going to think the Islanders are a trendy like sleeper uh, to pick to to win the Stanley Cup which will be the first time in my lifetime where that's the case and um, where and it's not it's unfortunate that they're going to be branded that way because they're not really a sleeper they're one of the best teams in the league in my opinion so uh, that also I think can can kind of shift. Uh, the pricing as, as more people read those previews and say, oh, all right, like I'm getting the Islanders at a, at a good price, 20 to one, you might see that shorten. I would be shocked if uh, it, it lengthens at all from now until puck drop. That said, if you do want to bet the Islanders 20 to one, I would wait because they have that 13 game road trip to start the season. So yeah. if they do struggle a little bit, that number could drift, right? Uh, so then you might be able to get, get them at 30 to one if, if they come out of the gate slowly. And slowly, you know, thirteen game road trip. If they come out of that five, five, and three, that's that's probably ahead of where you yep. might think they'd be after even even if they're a good team playing some teams that are below them. Yeah, exactly. But the book, I don't know if the bookmakers are going to be in the weeds uh, like you and I are in seeing five, five, and three and being like, oh, that's actually pretty impressive. <laughs> they might, uh, it, you might see that number, especially if other teams in their division get up to you know the seven, one, and one starts or whatever. Uh, that could be the best time to buy in on the Islanders. Now, as someone who has combined uh, their expertise on the betting markets with your diehard Islander fandom for many years, 
Do you wish that they were still an unknown quantity on the betting markets? Because I'm sure that that you've, because you pay such close attention, you've been able to cash in a little bit more than probably most people uh, who, like you said, who don't really notice the day-to-day trends with this with this team or with the NHL. Yeah, definitely. The past, I mean, since Barry Trotz took over, the Islanders have been kind of a, I don't want to call them a money machine, but like they've just been so undervalued on a game to game basis that if you have been a believer in this team, not even a fan, uh, you're, you were going to come out on top because of the prices you were getting. Like you, you'd see them at, you know, two to one uh, against some good teams last year. And those numbers are just ridiculous for a team that uh, with their skill set, which, like I said, it's turn a game into a rock fight. It's hockey. So a bounce off a shin pad is what's going to end up determining a game <laughs> often. You know, how many times have we seen that or a shootout? Like you get, you get a game to overtime. It's right away. It's a coin flip. So uh, the, the Islanders have kind of paid off handsomely in that respect. And yeah, I'm a little, it is a little upsetting that that probably is gone now. Uh, you gotta find, I gotta find another team uh, to, to, to kind of make up for what I've, what I will be losing with the Islanders now becoming a, a known quantity, not just, uh, not just with bookmakers and fans, et cetera, but just their reputation basically from the high level people in the NHL, like other GMs all the way down to now more casual fans. Uh, so I'll find one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so we've talked about the Islanders uh, and their place in the betting world. In far as specifics goes, uh for your future bets for this season, Mike, is there anything that you really like Islanders related? Uh, whether it's, you know, I think Barry Trotz is uh, about, you know, 15 to two, I think for the Jack Adams, which I think is a little high because these are things that are dependent on, you know, schlubs like me who are voting on these sorts of things who don't always, you know, take into some different, different things into account than just necessarily is, was he the best coach? Because as we know, the last couple of years, he, has, he could have easily won another Jack Adams last year for what he did with that team. But are there any Islanders on the board and any awards or team uh, futures that you really like as far as the Islanders are concerned for this season? Yeah, I think if you're looking for like a, a player prop in the awards market to get behind, and I, I like Adam Pellick at 30 to 1. I know he doesn't score enough uh, to really become a, a Norris Trophy candidate, but between Ryan Pollock's 20 to one. So, I mean, you can go that way, but I just like the longer price on Pellet Cause I think the two of them are, you can't really have one without the other. Uh, and, and a lot of people took notice of, of Pellet last year. And, and what we saw with Adam Fox, right. was like, he had kind of a online cult following of people who were trumpeting for him to win the Norse and, you know, media members like yourself do kind of take notice of that kind of thing. And 
that groundswell of support can end up pushing someone over the line. And I think now that we're starting to realize like the Norse trophy shouldn't just go to, you know, Tyson Barry because he leads the league in scoring among defensemen. Like I think people are starting to really recognize the skill set that a player like Adam Pellick has. Uh, and that kind of trend, I think that has like translated into much more attention for a player like him. Uh, and I think a lot of, once we, like you said, like media members are the ones making these picks and or placing these ballots. So like the more people like you that have noticed it, which a lot of people last year did uh, in the year prior means like it, that's only going to grow. So if he has another good season, I think he's definitely going to be towards the top. Um, so he's, I think just in terms of pricing, like he's probably the only one I would get behind for the Islanders. Cause like you look around like Simeon Varlamov is 10 to one to win the Vezina. I don't think that's any, there's any value there. Like Matt Barzell's like around 20 to one to win the heart. He's just not going to score enough. Yeah. Uh, you got to beat McDavid and all those guys. Like that's, that's tough. I would, I mean, if Barzell was around 50 to one, which I think is much more appropriate, different conversation. Um, I, I was actually looking for Ilya Sorokin, uh, for Vezina because I thought he'd be a long shot. Most books don't have him listed. If his name pops at like 50 to one, I would definitely get in on that. I might ask a book to post them, but usually when I do that, they, they cut the price in half because they know you want to bet him. So we'll put him at like 15 to one, even though they probably have no idea who he is. Uh, I just think, you know, his ceiling is so high that if he does have like a, a spellbinding season and you could see him get 45 starts, 50 starts as uh, the Islanders kind of transition into him being their goalie of the future. He, he does have a ceiling where he's uh he can put up the numbers necessary to, to win that award. Uh, but that's really it. So like, it's honestly Pelic. And like you said about trots, like the, the value is totally gone there. Unfortunately, uh, he would, he would be, you know, a good bet around 15 or 20 to one, I would say. Um, so it's, you know, Pelic 30 to one is probably my favorite Pelic at 20 to one, not terrible either, but aside from those two, it's uh it's kind of slim pickings because, as we said in the first section, people are starting to notice that the Islanders have good players. Yeah, and obviously the the way that they win games is not exactly conducive to winning awards, so that uh, can definitely take them out of the out of the conversation. Are there a couple of individual awards, irrespective of the Islanders, uh, that you really like? I sure do. I sure do. Um, the first one I'll give out. I like Connor Hellebuck at forty to one to win the heart. Uh, if the Jets make the playoffs, which I think they should. Uh, he should be in the conversation because that team doesn't go anywhere without him. If you look at the the definition of most valuable player as in the most valuable player to his team, I don't know if there are many players that are more valuable to their team than Connor Hellebuck is to the Jets. So 40 to one or longer. I like that. I know that goaltenders don't win the heart all that often, but it does happen. Uh, so he, to me is, is decent value of 40 to one. I like Jack Hughes. He's not listed at a lot of books, but uh some out there have him at uh, 110 to one or longer. That team got better and they got better in a way that will benefit Hughes, like Dougie Hamilton and Tomas Tatar, great power play players. Uh, and Jack Hughes is a great playmaker. So if you can get him uh, around 100 to one for the heart, I really like that. And then if you go to the Vesna, my man, you Saros, he's 35 to one at MGM. I think that's a, a good price. He's got out of the gate slowly both the past two seasons, but then the second half, he's like the best goalie in the world. So if he can just have a better start to the season, he should be in the running uh, for, for that award. And then my favorite market, which is the most heartbreaking one for me the past two years, because uh, I've, I've had some bad beats two seasons ago. I had John Tortorella at like 40 to one and he got beat out. And then uh, last year at Joe Quenville at like 25 to one and he got uh, snubbed too. 
So this year I'm going for uh, Dave Haxtell. I believe he's uh, 30 to one at MGM. Uh, the Kraken are minus 140-ish to make the playoffs. Like, like we said, who's voting for these awards? Media members. If the Kraken make the playoffs in their first season ever, uh, Dave Haxel is going to be a nominee for the Jack Adams Award. I mean, that, is he a good coach? I don't know. But irrespective <laughs> of that, if they, if they make the playoffs, he's going to definitely get, get a lot of attention uh, in, that, in, the, in that voting. Uh, in the same way, like I, I kind of like Travis Green at, in, for that award too. I don't think the Canucks are all that good, but the Pacific Division is so bad that they could accidentally make the playoffs. And in the same way, like if he, if Travis Green gets that team, a big hockey market in Canada, they're an exciting team. If he gets them into the playoffs, he's going to be on the ballot. And then you're holding a ticket where uh, you got someone at like 65, 70 to one uh, down to one of the final three. And the same thing goes there with uh, Daryl Sutter, who's 50 to one, same division, kind of the same uh, logic for that bet. If the, if the flames get into the playoffs, you're holding a 50 to one ticket. I just, if you bet one of those three guys, I think there's a decent chance. Or I'm sorry, if you bet all three of those guys, obviously you're not betting a lot of money at prices like that. So please be responsible. But uh, there's a pretty good chance one of those teams makes the playoffs, and then you're holding, you know, whether it's Haxel thirty to one, Sutter fifty to one, or Green sixty-five to one. You're holding a big ticket uh, on awards night, and all of a sudden, when the NHL has their award ceremony, uh, the Jay Moore hosted award ceremony becomes a lot more easy to watch uh, because you're you're really invested in. Who's going to win the Jack Adams? Yeah, I think the, uh, the Islanders are right around what is it ninety nine and a half for the points over under for yeah. the season. Um, where do you land on that one? If I had to bet it, I would I would actually take the over. But they're the type of team where like I, I view the Stars similarly. Uh, they're just some teams where the regular season they're not going to dominate the regular season most likely. They just need to get in to the playoffs. So I would chase the bigger prices with teams like the Islanders. Uh, or the stars or whatever, those, those quote unquote built for playoff type teams, uh, because like we've seen with them, they do go through these ups and downs. And sometimes the downs are pretty prolonged in the regular season, but once they click back into gear, uh, they they can be unstoppable. So I, if, if you are looking to bet the Islanders, whether it's over or on the season points total, if you are, if you're willing to bet that, I would just say, um, or if you see value in that number, I would just say, go for, go, go big, just go either take them to win the division or or take them to uh, win the Stanley Cup because if if they had put together that impressive a Stanley Cup, uh, that impressive of a season, they're going to get into the playoffs, um, and then you're holding a, a, a decent ticket on a team that's really really tough to beat uh, in a tournament. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So we'll finish up here with Mike Lebaugh from the Action Network and from the Nassau Coliseum parking lot most uh, most nights from about... 2000 uh, probably earlier than that 1996 until 2021 that was about your your prime eight your prime range of, uh, yeah. of going to the coliseum yeah just the fact that it's such a you know i was kind of steeped in late 90s islander nostalgia doing a story that that just ran today on zidane ochara talking to steve webb and mark Parrish and some guys from the that era when you're an islander fan who's kind of been raised on the darkest timeline in the team's history. Um, 
how does that kind of brand you as a fan and how did you know are there a lot of times now where you just got to rub your eyes to like you you know we were talking about betting markets showing showing them love the whole hockey world shows them love now they're one of the more respected teams in the league when you talk to players on other teams brand new building coming all the things that are very exciting about being an islanders fan seemed probably about a billion miles away from you when you were first starting out as an islander fan yeah i actually didn't ever think this would be the case because you when you when your existence as a fan is the the opposite for so long, you just don't even know what this would feel like. Right. I would always be jealous of my friends who were Ranger fans because they would make the playoffs, you know, 15 years ago, Henrik Lundqvist like lands in their lap and whatever. Uh, and I would just always say to them, like, you guys just don't understand like how lucky you are just to have like a stable franchise to root for um, because it's, that's I went to bed every night not knowing if the Islanders were going to be there in the morning. They would they might be in you know Hamilton or, or Kansas City. Um, so yeah, it is it's it's something that is completely foreign to me. And every day I I still get surprised by it. I, I have a couple of friends who who I talk to basically every day about the Islanders, whether it's the off season or the regular season, and um, we'll just like you know just bring up something like something as simple as like Barry Trotz uh, Barry Trotz like press presser where he says something. Uh, you know, just very poignant or whatever. Be like, you can't imagine any of the former coaches saying anything like this. Like Steve Sterling wasn't going to be going out there and saying stuff like that. I can tell you that much. And um, it's so it, it is. Like you do rub your eyes. It's and and kind of pinch yourself. And and the best part is like so many of the players are holdovers from the previous iteration or the previous generation of this team. Like Brock Nelson played for, you know, Jack Capuano and Doug Waite. And if you watch him now compared to them and you just kind of watch or even like listen to him talk, you're like, this is a completely different player. Like Brock Nelson is one of the most professional kind of ruthless uh, second line centers in the league at this point. Uh, and, you know, a couple of years ago, that wasn't going to be the case. He was, he's a good player, but like, he wasn't like he had kind of the the rest of his game or professional kind of skill set yet. Um, so yeah, it is, it's wild. And, one thing that like you you is is great. It's like there are so many people. We're a small fan base, obviously, as you know. We're small but vocal, and um, mm-hmm. there are so many friends who I've had through those same dark era, that same dark age, and they're all going through the same thing I am. So it's like you talk to someone, and they're not saying like you know, calm down. Like this is a team that had a dynasty in the eighties. Like no, they're saying like yeah, this is wild. Like I can't I can't believe that you know Dano Char would choose to come back to this team that was such a mess when he was first here. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's great because I don't think there's an Islander fan out there that is taking this run for granted uh, at all, which, which is, I think unique to, to this fan base. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, even just coming to hang out with you in the parking lot a little bit during this last playoff run, there's, you see a lot of the, the same faces I've seen around when there's four or five or six, 7,000 people in the building, on a regular basis. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And I can imagine when you make your first appearance at UBS, preferably shirtless, uh, which is your <laughs> usual, which is Mike's usual, uh, usual, uh, form of, of dress in the parking lot. Um, it'll be, uh, I'm sure it'll be an, an opening experience. And the other, the other reason that Mike and I, uh, have a, a long connection is, uh, we were both interns for Stan Fischler, who was announced recently, uh, is going into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame this year. A long, long, long overdue honor for him. And uh, and Stan is obviously well known to 
every Islander fan, almost of any vintage. And, uh, you know, my intern days, which were back in the late 80s, early 90s, and Mike's, which were considerably after that. But we had a lot of the similar experiences of interning for Stan. And I'll let you talk about some of your fondest memories and how you got into that first before we can trade funny stories. Yeah, I... I, uh... I just kind of was lucky and I saw him tweet at like an ungodly hour in the middle of the night. That, uh, he was looking for interns in the coming year. I was a senior in college and, um, you know, I was just working as a bartender basically uh, coming out of college and thought, all right, I'll be able to handle this. And it, it was it ended up being the lockout year. So I, I met Stan for like a couple hours and then never heard from him again because the NHL went into a lockout. And when, uh, when play resumed, I, I had like a nine to five job basically. And I was like, I can still probably make this work. Um, and I did. And and I started like picking him up in the city at his apartment and driving him to games. And so the two of us would talk. And uh, I think the the first real connection we had was we both listened to uh, the big broadcast on WFUV on Sunday nights. I would listen to it a lot of times driving back to school um, with Rich Conady. The, the late Rich Conady was like music from like the twenties and thirties. Um, it was just such an easy thing to drive to. So you know, with two of us were talking about it. And then uh, he would always, you know, quote a song from that era to open up his, uh, his interviews with uh, the effervescent Evgeny Nabokov. So I would be like sitting behind Stan, he'd be on the camera, I'd be standing kind of off off screen and listening to him, you know, <laughs> talk to Evgeny Nabokov in lingo from the roaring 20s in America. <laughs> and obviously Nabokov is, I think he was born in Kazakhstan. So like he doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't know where these songs are coming from, but could the two of them could play back and forth. And, uh, you know, after the interviews were were over, I would just tell Stan, I was like, that was just so much fun to watch between the two of you. They're, they're both very old souls. And, and like the three of us kind of became a little crew in the locker room uh, in that realm. So like, that's, that's what really like opened my eyes up to Stan being like, he's such a throwback to uh, broadcasters as entertainers. Whereas like now, we see so many, uh, they're so, you know, stuck, not st- stuck up is, is a little bit harsh, but that's the only word I can think of right now with, you know, suit, tie, everything. It's like about how it's much more about how well you could call a game than it is about being personable, where Stan is the opposite. Like, yeah, you're not going to Stan because he's going to tell you the Islanders expected goals uh, kind of show that they should come back and win this game. They're playing better than the results, but he will tell you some hilarious stories about, you know, Steve Webb or whoever. Uh, and, and that's, you know, a lot of the reason why people tune in, like I'd much rather listen to someone like Stan Fischler during an intermission, tell a hilarious story than, uh, you know, some of these kind of much more rigid people. So, um, yeah, like you said, long Mm -hmm. overview overdue. And, um, I know that you, you, you and Dan, my podcast partner, like have some hilarious stories from, from when you guys were working as well. Yeah, it's it's there's too many to let I me mean, we could do our own show me all the alums and there's a lot of illustrious alums Helene Elliott uh, who's a longtime hockey writer out in Los Angeles now used to work at Newsday um, isn't it former intern Frank Brown who worked for the Daily News for a long time and worked in the NHL office for a long time as a former intern uh, Dave Starman who's a scout and a hockey coach also a former intern there there's a lot of people around the hockey world who owe a lot to Stan helping them get started and it was you know, when I was with him, he was kind of like the first multimedia star, even before there was the internet. There was, he had every platform, books, uh, a hockey a column in the hockey news. He was on TV and he was, you know, he was an insider. And so there were things he would report uh, on air or in his column that would, that would piss people off. And I remember 
when I was a senior in high school in the 88-89 season, I was the Rangers correspondent. I grew up right near Madison Square Garden. And Wayne Cashman was a Rangers assistant. And I think at the end of that season, Stan might have written that that the coaching staff was in danger of getting fired. And after a game, I was just kind of, you know, standing in the locker room, a dumb kid trying to look for somebody to talk to. And Wayne Cashman came out of the coach's room and was pulling sticks off the wall, pointing his finger at me, screaming at me, <laughs> talking about Stan. It had nothing to do with me. And I'm like frozen in place. It finally gets resolved. And all I can think is like, that guy knew who I was? I mean, <laughs> and and that's that's the effect that Stan had on some people some back then. So it was um, – He's uh, he's been around long enough that to have spanned the the insider era and the entertainment era, and um, now I'm sure it's been an incredible experience that he's retired and living in Israel. And I will occasionally get a, a very delightful email from him containing a joke, which sometimes is a little bit more R-rated now than they used to be when I was younger. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice to talk about Stan and finally see that uh, the hockey world, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, and, and maybe hopefully the, the regular Hockey Hall of Fame up in Canada will honor him soon. But this this honor is is pretty impressive. And, and like I said, it's uh, he's got a, a large community of people that he's helped at this point. So uh, congratulations to Stan. And thank you, Mike. Mike Lebaugh from the Action Network, talking Islanders and betting. Uh, as always, fun to, to catch up with you and glad to have you on the podcast at long last. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, you know, when these... Uh when Jack Hughes wins the Hart Trophy, you can have me back on, and we can <laughs> right. we can talk about how we're going to spend spend our money. All those people can send in a little a little Venmo tip to us. So, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating and review. And if you're enjoying the show, that really helps us out. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30 day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can save 50 percent on an annual subscription to the Athletic. And you visit theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. We're almost ready for the season. Thanks so much. Bye.